Hey guys, it's Tony. I'm here to talk to you about Awaken Conference. Now, Awaken is a young adult gathering in Charlotte, North Carolina from January 31st to February 2nd, 2020. And it's meant to help you recharge your spiritual life and connect with a community that you can grow your faith alongside. Now, this year's presenters include a killer lineup with Caleb Isley of Humans of Adventism and, of course, a friend of the podcast. He's been on a few episodes. Kim Cove, a licensed counselor, and Randy Ban, the creative producer at Nike World Headquarters. The keynotes will be brought by Ben Lundquist of the Rise and Lead podcast, uh, a good friend of mine and an amazing speaker. Trust me, guys, you will not want to miss out. And Absurdity will be there. So me and Becker, uh, you get, get to see us if you come out. Uh, would love to come and talk to you. We absolutely think that this is something you're going to want to come and see. Speaking of, if you enter the code Absurdity at awakennc.com, that's Absurdity, A-B-S-U-R-D-I-T-Y, at awakennc.com, you're going to get a 10% discount. We'd love to see you there. This is absolutely something that we support, and we think that Awaken is a part of the growing church movement that we want to see moving forward. Once again, if you enter code absurdity at awakennc.com, you'll get a 10% discount off the initial price. Love to see you guys there. everyone, welcome back to Absurdity, and I am excited about today because um, this is our first ever full video episode. It's never happened before, and my guest is like, do I say something? Because he hasn't introduced me. What do I do? I am wow, frozen. Ryan, I really wish you had put on clothes for this episode. Yeah, I, well, I, <laughs> both of us wish that, for Kevin. All the, all the audio listeners only on this. Um, so yeah, we're, we're going to try to keep the visual gags to a minimum today. Uh, if you're listening to this the normal way, but, uh, that's that's like every, every Spotify album that a comedian does and they start going into visual comedy and I'm like, you were not thinking about the album. Yeah, Nope. Not at all. (laughs) Um, Kanye was thinking about the album. Kevin Kanye was thinking about the album. So that other voice you hear is Kevin Christensen. He's been on the show actually relatively recently. Um, one of my best friends and this is the first time he's hearing those words, uh, he's crying visually. Um, the, uh, but this is something that now that I've moved into a house, I don't own a house, I'm renting a house, but uh, I'm able to do, I invested in some video equipment and am wanting to do uh, a lot more content for those that are financially supporting this podcast. So um, for those that are on Patreon or those that donate via PayPal on a monthly basis, um, you will be getting not just bonus episodes and ad-free episodes, but you will also be getting um, the, if ever I do a live in-person interview, let me be specific. You can pay to see Ryan's uh, face. Exactly. We, uh, Isn't that a seller? Yeah. Yeah, it is, Kevin. Yeah, it is. My mom would pay to see my face. That's good. Oh, it's sugar. No, sugar my dog just, just barked a little bit. You won't hear that at all. Um, so the... Uh, yeah, so anytime I have a live in-person interview is definitely something that uh, I'm going to be doing as far as um, recording video and putting that up. And so I'm excited for what that uh, what the future will hold as far as content is concerned and bonus content for those that give. And also, like, who doesn't want to see me drink out of this Corgi mug that my coworker Kayla got for me? Uh, the best part is, because of the way that I hold the handle... Um, 
the butt is always facing the camera. There's no way around that. There's I no apologize, yeah. everyone. So, Kevin, um, you do a lot of work in production, in specifically film production. Uh, you have your own media company. You have a media production company. Let's get the words right, Ryan. <laughs> Okay. Uh, you're a producer of <laughs> media. No, um, the basically we were at the bank and setting up a bank account for the Scratch, which is the other organization that we run. And uh, he was asked. We were doing it under his production company LLC. And when they were asking, uh, you know, what kind of company is it? And I said, well, it's a production company. <laughs> and the guy gives me this look of like that's too vague, and says, producer of what? And I. Start- <laughs> And I started thinking about like all the different projects that that I work on because I was like, well, let's see. There's some there's some web design stuff that we do. There's there's I mean television, film. There's commercials. There's um, we're working on an audio drama series. There, I was like, man, there's a lot of stuff. Uh, media. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. So so when he says media, I like the guy's like, oh, okay, cool. He puts that down. And it's just like the system's requiring me to put something so i have to put something there and i was like kevin the way you answered that basically just like i said this out loud the 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 way that you answered that i'm pretty sure this banker now thinks you produce a kind of content that you don't want to say out loud producer of media um yeah of media and with adults too should i add yeah no no no, you should not um so that is so anytime he talks about media production or one of us brings it up we both remember that instantly even if that's not the reason we brought it up um so now that we're sufficiently off the rails because this entire episode will be that way um kevin you are also absurdity's first field reporter um, because several, so several Do months I get ago a pin for that, that I can trade at the next Oshkosh. Yes. yes. Um, several months ago, Kevin, uh, Kevin actually went out to, or two months ago, I guess it, it was in September, yeah. right? Yeah. <clears throat> so, cause it was after Oshkosh. That's, yeah. So that's, two, you know, your Adventist when uh, Oshkosh you, is you the, the, the yes. based around like, Oh, was it, be, was this before after, after Oshkosh? Um, the, Accurate. Um, or GC session or yeah, annual council. Um, so collab it was a film and media event. They actually advertised on this podcast back in, I think, July or August, and they offered us a media pass. Um, so we were able to go with our entry fee waived. And I wasn't able to go that weekend because I had other commitments. But Kevin went. And um, now this is an Adventist event, but it's not a Seventh-day Adventist church event. This was a event run kind of by individual Adventists who've, who've, who've worked on this and developed it. So Kevin, interesting, interesting kind of point of, um, uh, sort of Adventist processes there because it wasn't something sanctioned by the Adventist church. There were people who I know one particular individual who, um, was, was going because it would benefit the Adventist school that they worked for, but because it wasn't sanctioned by the Adventist church, there were a lot of things like, um, like the rental car and things like that that weren't covered because mm. it doesn't fall under policy. Yeah, because this was technically an independent thing or whatever. So, um, so Kevin, you got to go to this event, and normally when you go to Adventisty or like any real denominationally uh, denomination focused or centered events, 
around film or media or anything really creative in any way, shape, or form, they tend to be very lackluster. But that was apparently not your experience no. literally <laughs> at all. It was it was like totally opposite of that. Um, it, it really was an incredible experience to go because the people that they brought in were were people that are they're they're recognized well they're internationally recognized for the work that they do um it's not just a thing of you know with within our kind of bubble they're recognized this is something where you've got uh like people heading up animation for uh spider-man um the the animated one spider-man into the spider-verse into the spider-verse thank you yeah um because we also had someone else there who was from spider-man homecoming okay um and so you had you had animators that were there, you had actors that were there, you had uh there was the lady who put together the the highest grossing business plan for a film, which was the Blair Witch Project. Um it went from like oh, I don't even remember what it was. I wanna say like thirty thousand dollars or something that turned into like three hundred million or something. Yeah, the Blair Witch Project was, was huge. It was huge, yeah. yeah. So um, she was there. So they they had different people from different areas, everything from from, uh, entertainment law to animation to directors to um, to the finance side of things, controllers, uh, to how to put a business plan together, um, to how to pitch. Um, it, It really was a fantastic event. And the people that they were bringing in was like, hey, this guy just sold this film to Netflix and Amazon and he's working on his next thing. Hey, this guy is, I mean, I had breakfast with the guy who he's friends with Josh Gad and is working on a, a sequel for twins. Wow. Um, I mean, so like literally the people, like the people that were there, it was like, Whoa, these are, this is really cool. Yeah. Like, it's not just like we got Devon Franklin, yeah, like yeah. every other Adventist event ever <laughs> yeah, in was, the history of the last 10 years. It was really, which I mean, like Devon. Dev- yeah. He's a big guest. Yeah, Don't get me Devon, wrong, but Devon's he, he definitely guest, did yeah. the tour of Adventist churches. Like, yeah. So this wasn't, this wasn't just a thing of, you know, Hey, here's a few people that are kind of notable within the denomination. These are people that are, that are really out there accomplishing a lot of, a lot of really big things, mm. which was cool. And, and, and so, okay, is this a thing that like, what is, what does Adventism have to do with this? We've got people that are networking, talking about industry stuff. Okay. That's cool. And then Fred Cornforth, who was the guy who he, he paid for the whole event. Fred Cornforth. <laughs> Fred Cornforth. <laughs> he, he often, he puffed. <laughs> 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 It's, it sounds like Lord Farquhar. It really does, from the Shrek, yes. Yeah, but um, he huffed and he puffed, and he spent a lot of money to invest in people he believed in. Mm. And and it was really cool, because I think his background was was pas- was pastoring, and then um, he went into, I think it was real estate or something. Anyway, he made a lot of money with that, and he really wants to see not only more positive media done, but he wants to invest in... Um, in the creatives of our church, because he sees the the positivity that can come from impactful stories and storytelling. Mm. Um, so yeah, they did a giveaway, yeah. And the top prize was double what I've seen the double the highest giveaway prize total that I've seen from within the denomination from like an Adventist sanctioned event. Really? 
the yeah. highest I have ever seen from an Adventist event. Now that's just me. That I mean, mm-hmm. I'm 26. Take that for what it's worth. Mm-hmm. But um, it is uh, the highest I've seen is 10,000, and usually it was for something like evangelism, like yeah. directly. Ev- it was for some evangelism pitch or project. Um, but this was the fir- the top prize was 20,000. The second prize was 10,000, right? Yeah, or 15? I think, so. I think it was 10. It, it was 10, 10 yeah. Because third place was 5,000. So give yeah. away $35,000 total to creative projects, which is just like, I, like if you're not within any sort of Christian bubble or denomination, like that's okay, cool. That's whatever. Um, but even then, I feel like that's not really just whatever. Um, well, I mean, after, after year end meetings, we found that that was basically someone's budget for the entire year. Yeah. The 20,000, <laughs> $35,000. Yeah, yeah. Was for, for someone at the division level. Yeah. Um, and we're not going to say who that person is because there's literally no reason for us yeah. to, but, um, but and that's, is, that, that's, yeah, a, that was basically the department. And that's like, probably someone who has a higher budget than normal. Like, yeah. yeah. So take that for what it's worth. But yeah. So the top prize gets half of this dude's budget in one go. Yeah. Uh, that's insane. But it was really, I mean, it was really cool to see the projects that were, that were pitched and they had their stuff together because you had to submit things ahead of time. And those were, those were filtered down until they had, um, I want to say it was like maybe seven, eight, something like that, that that we went through. Um, and so it, it was, it was down to some really solid, solid plans and they wanted to see, you know, what is your distribution strategy? Um, kind of, how did you come up with the figures that of, what you're going to do with this? Where is it going beyond this? Yeah. And I think that that's a really important question that I I haven't seen asked a lot of the time is, so where is this going? Where is the next step with things? Yeah. I think a lot of times we look at what the face value is. You know, somebody says, um, you know, I'm going to do, I'm going to do this thing for the community on this day. And, you know, we'll put in money towards that and then it'll happen on that day. And then there's no follow-up or anything else. And if you happen to be there for that day, great. Your church made an impact for the moment, but then they're they're not remembered after that. And so it was cool to see, like, with this project, what is happening after this? Where are they going well, with it? And I think, I mean, I'm going to jump, I'm going to way jump the gun here, but it's fine. I don't even care. There, There's something also unique about this compared to the way that the church does things. And yeah, we're going to rag on the church a bit because I think both of us think we could be doing us doing so much better in this, but the idea is these projects would at some point make money too. Yeah. So the, the idea is that whatever the investment is, the, the prize money that, that Fred Collinforth is putting towards these, these uh, projects is eventually going to be made back. Now, not necessarily by Fred, but yeah, and also he's, and he's a not, little he's like not, he's not looking to make money yeah. back from it. But um, hey, people do favors later <laughs> down the line, though. Like that's the thing uh, is yeah. it, it'll come back in spades a different way. Yeah. Um, but it's still return on investment that would allow whoever that creative is to do more projects. Right. And the church has a completely different definition of what investing is, <laughs> um, yeah. because our definition of investing seems to only be spend. We need to invest in our young adults, and so we spend time, energy, and resources, um, and money, specifically a lot of money, uh, but somehow not enough, uh, to (laughs) with zero return on investment. Like, literally every budget is just a, we're just going to keep going down to zero, and then we're going to start over next year at the Mm -hmm. exact same point, or less than, if we didn't make it all the way down to zero, because then 
you know, whoever makes the budgets thinks that we didn't need as much as we had. Right, yeah. You, um, you end up having to overspend so exactly. that, that way you're not penalized the next year. Yes, and you get more money the next year. Yeah. But, like, that well, that's, and, that's and a real thing. I mean, our measurements for things are, are these short-term results of, like, okay, so how many baptisms happened many, at yeah. that event? How many Bible studies right. happened yeah. at that event or directly, you know, not, not – and that's and I think that's part of the reason for why – we we see these struggling retention rates is because if you're going to get your thing funded to happen, you have to show something like that's an immediate return. Yeah. And if you can't do that, the project doesn't even happen in the first place. And so you've got folks that are, I, I think are really, they are good meaning people and, and they want to do the best thing, but the only way that they're going to get the, the okay and the clearance to do whatever that outreach thing is, is if they can show immediate results. And there's not funding put in place, at least yeah. what I've seen with those things, to say, okay, so now what are we doing to stick around and actually grow that and and retain that? And that's why you'll have, you know, like all these. No, that's the other ministries. Right. That's that's the other ministries, right? Because right. the idea is, once you're done being a young adult, you would, um, you would then become a part of the men's ministry or women's ministry, and you would become an elder or a deacon or uh, a junior deacon in training. Shout out Justin Gu. Um, the like this is this is a. He told us a story when he was 19. He was named a junior deacon in training, which is legendary, um, because that's not even a remotely biblical position. <laughs> And at 19, I, I when you're making that's like... that's even a real position. Yeah, it's like, not. Like, period. Junior deacon in training. I know eight-year-olds who are full deacons. That's a Padawan's Padawan. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> I just want to see Justin Koo with... Justin, if you watch this, can you just like wear two braids? I just want to know what the little Padawan... No, one braid. Oh, yeah, because yeah, 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 yeah. he's, a, he's a Padawan's Padawan. Yeah, that's right. Two so. braids. Uh, so pigtails? He has to wear pigtails. Justin Q and pigtails. Um, the, this that's is, the next mug to create. But we only, we, we only spend the money, and it doesn't allow us to do more necessarily. And I think, I think what the church sees as investing, the church hopes that that money comes back in tithe. It's, it's giving. No, they they hope that the money comes back in tithe. Yeah. The idea is if you're baptizing these people and they become tithe-paying members, then that is more money in the pot. The problem is that a lot of people aren't giving because they don't like where the money is currently going right. anyway. And so you've got this kind of catch-22 or this cycle of this vicious cycle, and there's got to be a way to break it. And the the difference between what you're describing and what the church ends up facing is that the church has this different focus because it's a, or there's this different level of severity with this because it's tithe payer money. It's the Lord's money. You know, this was Mm -hmm. entrusted to us as leaders to handle it well. And what like this, so they, they feel like I I can't take a risk with this money because it's not even my money to take a risk with. Whereas a company would say, no, this is our money to take the risk with. Like we can do this. Right. Um, And yeah, that's the, that's the issue. Well, and, and I want to speak on behalf of, I mean, on, on the industry side of things, because, well, actually while we were at year end meetings, I was pitching, I was pitching a very large project um, to, to what, what we in the industry would, would call a media a, a dis- <laughs> to a media company. <laughs> ah, ah. No, to um, a distributor, yeah, to a distributor. Um, and for people that aren't really in the film industry, you guys might call the studios, the big Hollywood studios, whatever. Um, so, and, and with that, they wanted to know that it's going to be a surefire thing before they invest in it because they don't want And granted they talk in the tens of millions. 
with things. So it's a little different conversation than, you know, what, yeah. we, what we were having. Literally, like you go, we went from one minute having conversations about like a $10,000 here or a $40,000 here and like that being like the highest number. And then I was then, on the phone talking about like 9 million here and 30 million there. Exactly. So. And now granted, Kevin, I, I think it's actually worth like, what background do you have in, in film production and otherwise that can help anyone who's like, we just jumped into film production without any idea who you, like, <laughs> not necessarily who you are, but like, what, what do you do in, in production and film? Like, why is that a conversation that you're having? So, so my background was, um, when I was in high school, I did some improv with my church and I really appreciated that creative outlet. So when I came to Southern, um, I ended up doing uh, drama and and kind of teaching other people how to do improv. Started a live comedy sketch show called Studio 4109. Ran that for four seasons. Um, and we were doing live sketch comedy videos. Uh, we had musical guests. We had various hosts who came through. Um, and then after that, I went into the Atlanta film industry and just worked my way up. I was an extra at first, and then I moved on, moved up to being a, a stand-in for a number of, of actors. Um, and then I started getting speaking roles. And then about three months in, I got my invitation to join the Screen Actors Guild. And about that time, I kind of, shortly thereafter, I switched over to the producing side of things. And um, I was full-time on a show as the executive producer's assistant. So I had an office at Tyler Perry Studios and then eventually opened my own media company. You're never living that <laughs> no, down. I'm never living this that down. This is immortalizing it. it. It is. It's, there's, there's no way out of it. And became a producer of media according yes. to yours truly over here, which you should pay money to see. Um, <laughs> Patreon.com slash absurdity podcast. <laughs> And so you can see his corgi butt mug. Um, well, th- here's the problem. I turned it around because I feel bad, and I think people want to see the face. But now I don't want to drink out of it anymore well, because yeah, now, now the other end. Weird. Yeah. Now it's the other end. It, well, there you that go. That I drink out of. I'm very conflicted right now. I can. So see. I'm going to be the guy that drinks from a mug with the handle pointed out. There you go. I'm That's just, what I'm going to do glad today. That you can finally get to Thank the bottom you. of this. Yeah. Okay. So you're. And now, and now, also to 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 add to that. So now, as as a producer. Um, I'm in conversations with distributors. So I'll take a project and talk to them and say, okay, I think that this project is viable. I think it's worth investing in this project um, because it's going to, it's going to produce this and this and this, or it'll get these kinds of returns or Mm -hmm. um, just in general, I think it's going to be successful and you can figure out the, you know, the finance side of it. Gotcha. Okay. So that helps some sort of like placement there. Um, I, I think this is this is the struggle, right? Because you watch movies get made and then more movies get made because of, you know, the first movie that gets made. And then we watch ministries or startups happen that just, it's literally just a ticking time bomb. Mm-hmm. Um, so many ministries are literally just like, yeah, we're good until we run out of money. And then we have to hope that the committee or whatever committee gives us or allows us, you know, to have more money. And, and, and the it's not sustainable. Right. Literally, it's not Right. And the critiques that we're making here, it's not a thing to just like point them out and say, well, look at where they messed up. This is more to say, okay, so we've got a problem here and, and we now see how we've got other things that are successful. How can we bridge that gap? Yeah. What can we do in the ministry space that then allows these, these ministries to, to be viable and to be sustainable? 
Yeah. So they can continue and they can grow. Now the okay, so two things that we have to two things that we have to muddle through here, right? So um first, isn't that turning the church into a business? Uh I would say no. I mean yes and no, but the church in a sense there are aspects of the church that are already it are is a, a business. business. Yes. Yeah, I mean, technically, by tax code, it is a five hundred one c three business. Yes, exactly. Um, it's just a not not for yeah. profit business. Okay, but so that then, doesn't but that doesn't mean that not for profits don't make profit. Correct. I mean, prime example: look at all of your all of your Adventist run hospitals that take in a lot of money. I mean, Adventist run. My understanding is that Adventist run uh, healthcare is the largest biller for I think it's Medicare. I didn't the, know that in the country. So, and that is a, and which are, country there's 237 yeah, of them, Kevin, in this one right here. <laughs> um, so yeah, you, you know, so not nonprofit doesn't necessarily mean that they don't make profit. It's, mm-hmm. and we won't go into all, all the details with that, but they do make money. Gotcha. Okay. So in the church yeah, and the I church agree. invests. Yeah. The church has investments. Like we it, literally invest in this in not necessarily like the stock market, but yes, also the stock market. Yeah. Um, like retirement runs the same as standard retirement plans. Um, everything index funds, mutual like everything is everything is if the American economy crashed, the, the church, church crashes. would take a hit. Yes. Yes. The church so, would take a big hit. The that and and that's something that's like the reason I bring that up and the reason I ask that question is not for me, obviously, because I already know that. The reason I ask isn't this running a business is because I think that's the first thing that people are afraid of. Like, mm-hmm. we don't want this just to become a for-profit thing. And there's a there's a TED Talk I'm going to link in the, uh, in the show notes. Uh, a guy, I cannot remember the guy's name. I literally cannot remember even the title of it right now. But he's talking about nonprofits and the fact that there's this stigma against nonprofits using donated money for anything other than mm-hmm. going directly to the cause that that money is is given for. Um, and the and his entire case is that mentality is causing nonprofits to basically fail. They're doomed to fail from the start because they're not allowed to use that money to actually grow the organization because. And, and it, when I say not allowed, what I mean is uh, the, this specific guy had started a nonprofit and he had instead started modeling his business after a standard for-profit business, which meant that he poured a ton of money into marketing and, and trying to grow the organization so that he could send that money toward, um, so he could send more money toward the actual causes that he was working against. And on that note, part of the reason for why the nonprofit hospitals that you see run as successfully as they are is because they are actually run their management style. They are run the exact same way as for-profit hospitals. Yeah. Um, I know someone who's a, he's an expert in, in um, kind of healthcare structuring. And he was telling me, you know, that the studies show the nonprofit hospitals and the for-profits run exactly the same. Yeah. So, yeah, like there is no difference in what we're all, what we're yeah. already doing, and I think this is would just be one less thing. But now I lost my point. Thanks, Kevin. Um, You're welcome. Your nonprofit thoughts. Oh, thank you. Are this not guy. Basically, he said, "Yeah, with- he." So actually, help me. So he's talking about his nonprofit, and he's talking about how he was pouring money into marketing and actually growing the industry, getting more employees, and or I guess more volunteers, whatever, however you want to describe that. Um, and actually growing the organization in a way that was sustainable and in a way that was actually going to be able to make a bigger difference. One article came out when someone discovered that that's what they were doing, and the article just lambasted them for 
uh, for not spending money on the direct cause itself. And basically that nonprofit ended up shutting down almost overnight Mm. because they lost all of their donors. They lost everything. And it was because of the stigma that said, no, the money I give you has to go to this specific thing. And it can't go to any of these auxiliary things that would actually help us do this one thing better. Mm -hmm. Um, So if you want to hear that TED talk, it's actually incredible. Um, And it really shifted my own thinking on a lot of this. So, you know, show notes, check that out. There'll be a TED talk link there. But I think that is, that is a, a, a kind of an uphill battle, but I think it's something that I know that there are church leaders that listen to this both in and outside of Adventism. And if there's one thing I wish I could say is, you know, find or look for the people who are creating and find a way to actually support them mm-hmm. in a way that can also bring more money back to you. Yeah. Well, and, and cause this is one of the things that I've, I've always um, stated fairly boldly that the, the church is quick to encourage, but it is slow to equip. Yeah. And, and that's an area that we need to change because it, things don't get done with a pat on the back. Things get done with, with gear, with equipment, with people who have, um, the knowledge and know-how or the connections to people or, uh, or just sometimes it's just simply hands on deck. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously finances is a, is a big factor in th- things cost, things cost money. Just recognize that everything costs money. Yeah. So, so yeah, without funds and financing, a lot of things just don't happen. Yeah. Um, and that's where, you know, I want to see this transition from, oh, you've got a great idea. Uh, you know, pat on the back, you go do it. Here's a thousand dollars. It's uh, well, that would be a good start. I mean, that would be a no. Good that start. happens a lot. The thousand dollars thing actually happens quite a lot. the The problem is that it's not given to well thought out ideas. Yes. It's given to people who said, "I have this idea," and so I just want to keep doing it. And then they either get burnt out, or then they discover that they could be making more doing it outside of yeah. the church, <laughs> so they walk away. So, so to that note, let's let's talk, Ryan, about specifics let's give i mean let's talk about specifics of of examples of what people could do um okay well let me allow you as the guest of this show kevin <laughs> let me allow let me let me give some i'm just kidding no um the i asked the questions right and so the nonprofit versus the profit uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah let's give some specific suggestions so first of all when we're talking about creative projects specifically in film right um what are realistic numbers for to invest in someone's project if it's a film project or creative project? Like, because we, we had talked about, like, I have $40,000 or I have $10,000 for the whole year. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh. <laughs> oh, okay. That's because yeah. you spent literally, <laughs> you spent an hour talking to someone <laughs> and trying to paint this picture of what they could be doing. And, and they just weren't getting it. Because they were, and I was like, it's because we're operating in two different wavelengths mm-hmm. here. And so I just asked the person straight up, like, hey, what's your yearly budget? <laughs> and that's when, like, everything made sense. Because I was like, oh, okay. Kev- right. I was like, because the problem here is Kevin was talking in millions as if they're a $20 bill, and yet the church is over <laughs> here talking, like, Which in I thousands. I do not personally have, okay? No, yeah, you Oops. don't. You have billions. Um no, it's just like these are the deals that we're talking about. I just realized that everyone on audio couldn't see me shaking my head. And, and, and given yeah, the like, no, no, yeah. no. no. <laughs> um, Kevin is not rich. I can personally attest to this fact. Um, I think 
Uh, but it's just the projects you're working on involve millions of dollars. Like that's just, mm-hmm. that's just reality. Any show does. So what, yeah. So let's, let's bridge that gap. What does it actually mean for the church to invest in creatives or creative projects? So, I mean, there's, first of all, I'd say there's a lot of different creative projects. So if you are a, if you're an administrator who has a budget, let's, let's talk to that audience first to say, okay, okay. administrator, I have money. I'm wanting to support a young creative. What is my first step? First, when, when you talk about wanting to invest in either youth or young adult or just anyone who's younger, um, start by actually making sure that that, that that money lands in the hands of that demographic that you're, that you're claiming that you're wanting to support. Don't just go and say, oh yeah, we want to support them. Great. Let's hire more administrators to oversee that area. Okay. Literally this did happen, um, <laughs> at NAD year end meetings. Now look, we both went as press for the scratch. We, um, so we don't get voice or vote, but I almost stormed the mic when I and heard you can, this. And you can follow us um, at real scratch news on yes. Twitter. We we were there live tweeting what was going on, mostly uh, retweeting whatever yeah, people we were, were which with, is what we like do. A little bit of sarcasm, although we did we did there was a few times that some people tweeted they had some questions about complicated issues that were going on, and as the scratch we were able to summarize it in a few sentences. Yeah, um, so yeah, real scratch news on Twitter, but it's Adventist news five minutes or less. That's our whole thing. So we're there as press, and I hear this is and and this is on live stream. Like if I'm going to call it the GC by name, I'm going to do it at the NAD level two, even though that's closer and higher risk for me personally. But uh, the NAD youth director stood up with his, with his cohort of young adult or youth and young adult leaders for the division, the North American division. And, uh, and basically uh, made the call. He said, you know, we need to invest and empower our youth and young adults more. Um, And what I'd love to see is I'd love to see the unions hire more, uh, youth directors in order to split up the work more and be able to actually empower more people. And my first thought there is a two weeks prior to these meetings, we just found out that the ratio of administrators to pastors in the NAD is 0.8 to one, which is terrible. And that's only further equalizing that ratio, not making it better. But two, um, what he's actually asking is unions collectively to invest hundreds of thousands of dollars that would be going towards salary and benefits for the youth, the, the new hired youth directors. Uh, he's, he's saying divert, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars to hire youth directors. Instead, those unions, if they had that money to divert, which many of them don't, um, they could actually be taking that money and investing it directly into in, young into adults. Yeah. Like <laughs> directly into them. You could put together a young adult leadership advisory and council that has that money to do what they will with with investing in projects and making things happen, right? Like there's so you know, per union, take take someone take what the salary would have been. And and what and what's different about this versus the TED talk that you were talking about is that that TED talk was talking about a place that it's getting started and it's wanting to invest in some overhead to to help further the cause. Mm-hmm. Our overhead is huge. Uh, we don't have a problem with needing more overhead. Yeah, our overhead expenses so are gigantic. It's, I mean, when we were looking at the the budget of what's allocated out of tithe money, it was when you, if you include, uh, what was it? It was like GC overhead, basically, and and if you included um, um, auditing in there, which that I feel like that's kind of part of overhead. It came up to like what forty five percent. Yes. That, now, 
there is some of that money that does indirectly go to evangelism and other things. But at the end of the day, overhead is this is what it costs to keep the lights on. Yeah. And that's that's a pretty high percentage for overhead. I think it was actually I think it was closer to thirty seven percent. But I'm gonna go ahead and ballpark it somewhere between my number and Kevin's number. <laughs> that way we don't shoot ourselves in the there you foot. Go. Yeah. Um, but yes, it, it was like very high in in a way that's like we don't need more overhead here. Right. Right. And that's and that that's the difference there for what you're talking. Anyway, yeah. Back to you. So um I think one thing would be instead of investing to hire more people instead and like actually use that money to give directly to people who are doing things like like young adults who are doing things or or whatever which gets back to the question what does that look like yeah so how do how would or what would you suggest for conferences for unions for churches and then on the flip side of that for the young adult creatives or just creatives in general um what do you suggest how do they find each other like are you just going to be the agent that nope. connects people? So what's what? Yeah, what's the what? Where, how do they find each other? So I think I mean I think depending on on where you are, if you're if you're in a large church that has, you know, you're able to communicate with a fair amount of youth and young adults, um, then then it's it's putting out it's putting out the notice saying, hey, we are looking to invest in our youth and young adults in our creatives. We want to see new and and um, inventive ways to to stay connected and to grow. Um, if you're, I think if you're at a smaller church or in a smaller community, maybe find some other ones to partner with. And probably if you're in a smaller one, you don't have much of a budget anyway. Yeah. So this could be an opportunity to work together, to collaborate, and come up with something together that. And when you collaborate. And you grow, the that growth is exponential. It's not just two or three people coming together. It's, hey, these two or three people are now coming together. Oh, by the way, their friends saw that the three of them are hanging out and now they went to hang out. So it's more than just three people coming together. Now it's five, six, seven. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, and, and that, you experienced that, but actually on the funding side rather than the creative yeah. side, right? So um, talk to me about Dreamer because this is a perfect example of a moment where a young adult had a project and it was, I think you were brought, I think you weren't the originator of the idea. No, I was, I was not the originator of the idea. The, the original idea, um, actually came from, um, a professor at, uh, Hawaiian mission Academy who started Matt Webster. He started the, the film program. I've down never there. heard like an Academy teacher referred okay, to as a, a teacher, professor. I guess. <laughs> Professor Webster, you, like really, you really, know, you really I, talked him up, and I, did, I just shot I that down. Shout, shout out you, to you, Matt, keeping you humble. Um, so, so Matt, Matt found this story, and he talked to Julio Munoz at the at the North American Division in Communications. Uh, Julio oversees Sunscreen Film Festival, and you know, they were saying, okay, we, we'd kind of like to start investing in some in some projects and seeing seeing creative media happen. Um, and so we talked about this and, and we kind of looked at what, what direction can we go with this? We could either take the money that we have and do a documentary on this kid. Um, the kid is a DACA recipient. So, uh, if you're not familiar with, with DACA, it's, it's an act that, uh, helps to protect children of undocumented immigrants. Um, so you know, you've got, it's kind of this gray area because you've got these kids that, and granted to some people, this is black and white, but, um, 
it's not black and white enough that they didn't, you know, that there wasn't conversation about it. Yeah. So it's a controversial issue, but you had kids who they had basically grown up. <laughs> My dog just like walked <laughs> over the thing that is. Wait, did it pause? I'm not sure. And I don't want to stop it. We're frozen. We're frozen. No, it's still going. Going? Yeah, it's the recording. No, the video is still going. I think just the. I think. I don't know what she clicked, but like, (laughs) so my computer is actually recording us. I really hated that we were trying to keep the visual gags to a minimum. My dog just walked straight across my laptop, and I had to catch her. And now the screen is frozen on like a look on my face that something is dropping, and I'm trying to catch it. And I'm amazed that I didn't drop like anything else in the mix in the midst of that reach. And, and right now, if you weren't thinking about paying for Patreon, <laughs> to look at that. I hope it's frozen. <laughs> yeah, I do too. Um, we won't know. That's worth. That's worth the first worth. video episode of <laughs> Absurdity could have just been ruined by sugar. This is why it's important to have a sugar-free diet, ladies and gentlemen. Yep. <laughs> I have no idea what she clicked. I genuinely, I, I don't, I don't know what she did. I don't know what just happened there. Anyway. Um, so yeah, so so on that note, <laughs> DACA. Yeah. So back to immigration <laughs> yeah, stuff. Back to immigration status. Yeah. So basically, it it helps protect kids that they grew up in this country. Um, they're not documented citizens or immigrants, um, and their their parents are undocumented. So it's kind of a temporary thing to just keep them from getting kicked out of the country that that they have considered home because they grew up here. Hmm. Um. So we we found a story about a kid who um, he went to Hawaiian Mission Academy. He's a DACA recipient, and we wanted to tell a story. Uh, and it's a very interesting story about how kind of no place is home yeah. because Mexico wasn't home because they left there. He gets to the United States, and the United States, um, I mean, he's not documented here. And so is this really home because he's kind of looking over his shoulder? And, um, and then there's a whole bunch of drama as well with, with the family where his father wasn't really interested in, um, their family anymore. And so it was Mm -hmm. like, well, even the house isn't home. And then the father reunites with the mother and, um, and, and they're going to church together. And then he ends up running off with someone else who's from church. So church isn't even home. And the one place that he found to be home was the Adventist Academy. And we were like, this is a riveting story. Like, yeah, that's yeah, like, like objectively, gotta, that's a yeah. great story. So, I mean, it has, it has, you know, it's, it's got drama, action, um, controversy. It's, you know, there's, there's love in there. There's, and for the church, there's yeah. the church in there in and a positive a light. Aspect. Yeah. yeah. And so, and it's a true story. So, um, fireproof so we, coming to theaters near you. <laughs> Roger, you had the candle for That's uh, right. So we, so we looked at, um, you know, what, what can we do with the funds that we have? And there's kind of, there was kind of a couple options. One was, so we do a documentary and, you know, we basically just film him telling his story. You know, you put some B-roll shots in of where he lives and whatever else and call it a day. Um, and I feel like we are called to be storytellers, to be quality storytellers and to do more than just that. When you are in an age where you literally have like five other videos that are recommended to you all asking for your attention. Mm -hmm. We need to make sure that the stuff that we're doing is captivating enough and is relevant enough. People can connect with it. Oftentimes the content itself, like the content that we're trying to convey is actually great content. It's just executed poorly. Yeah. 
you, I mean, the, the amount of people that I, that I have talked to in the industry that are either interested in the concept of Sabbath and, and a health message or, um, or just in general are interested in connecting with God is like, it was surprising to me. I'm like, wait, you care about this stuff? So one per you talked to one <laughs> yeah. person. Yes. Yeah, so one person yeah. at a time. Um, <laughs> But in, in media. Um, so, so anyway, it's, it's about being relevant with things. And so we looked at, you know, what could we do with this? And, and I was like, you know, everybody's got a 4k camera in their back pocket now. I think that we need to do something that makes us different. And so we decided to do something. Uh, we decided to go more with the style of a docudrama. And so mm. what that meant was we were going to be doing dramatic recreations of things and really showing the story, not just telling it. Um, which is the name of my company, Show Don't Tell Productions. So we we went we got some some funds together, which uh, makes that earlier joke even worse. Yep, <laughs> that just landed. That just hit. That makes that joke even worse. <laughs> Poor adults. And so, um, we so we we got we got funding together from um thanks thanks to Julio and and thanks to Tony Anobly, not the Tony that's on this podcast but his father his father yeah i i just i just think of like tony tony and tony yes um. <laughs> which is great because tony anobly is like dad tony anobly who works at the division uh was actually approached at year-end meetings last year and by an old lady who said i love your podcast <laughs> and he was like you're thinking of my son <laughs> So there's that's, that. That's funny. But you can check out his fantastic acting skills. Yeah, uh, and uh, in Oshkosh. Oshkosh. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. So there's there's some performance in him. Um, but anyway, so we pulled our resources together. We went out to Los Angeles and we shot the opening scene of it. We got and and it was a. I mean, I'm telling you, it's incredible how things came together. So we got uh, a guy who had just produced the. Um, some promos for NBC's The Office. Um, he came on and directed it. We got a company called Digital Sputnik that donated lights. Lights are really expensive. Um, and this company had just done the lighting for this, you know, little known movie that's coming out for Disney called Mulan. Um, and so they had given us the lights. They sponsored it. Um, we got Emmy Award winning talent on it. And this thing came out amazing. <laughs> and um, And so what we're doing with that is we're actually pitching it to a bigger distributor to get the the proper money that it needs to do something on more of a feature length yeah. um, level that is going to be, that's, that looks like something that you would watch on Netflix or on Amazon and not on a church website. Yeah, exactly. Um, basically we want something that people are going to watch and remember 30 seconds after they watch. Okay. It. Now let's say the thing that's going to lose every single church administrator in the room ballpark don't give me the exact number because i don't want to throw literally anyone else under the bus here just give me ballpark opening scene <laughs> what did it cost yeah what is, like what is something like that cost when you're talking about a feature film because we're talking about turning this into something like a feature right this isn't and this is one specific form of creative media the reason i'm prefacing all of this with this is like it's not like you spent 100k all right everyone chill um <laughs> It's more along the lines of 90 K plus 10. The it's more like, this is just one creative medium. And the idea here is clearly we like, we need to understand 
we need to have a better understanding of what the world that we live in or how the world that we live in is actually operating. Because the fact that this number surprises us to literally anyone else in this industry that's like, yeah, what? Actually, I'm surprised you did it for that cheap. Like, yeah. that's that's the, like, you pulled a ton of strings, got, you know, okay, God give, showed I'll, up big time. I'll give an example of how creative we had to be. Um, so we have this scene where two Border Patrol trucks uh, pull up. And to give you an idea, like, if you wanted to get what we call, we call them picture cars. These are cars that will be in the picture. Um, and if you get a picture car from a picture car rental place, so this is like, Hey, we want to do a specific scene that has, you know, an old school cop car, or we want some, you know, really specific vehicles. Um, Mm. it was going to cost us about, I think like $350 a day or something to, uh, to be able to get that vehicle for the day, which is one. Yeah. And that's, and that's really reasonable. Um, but it's not, but the, the, that's not, if that was just the cost, we probably would have done it. But, um, that means that you also have to put it on a carrier. So you have to put it on a truck carrier. Then you have to hire a union driver to drive two hours outside of Los Angeles, be on set for 12 hours and then drive it two hours back. And that right there would have been probably three or four times the budget. Yep. That we were actually able to work like with. using the like you're talking about entire budget. Yeah, like the entire budget for the whole so, thing. So okay. Um let's get let's play plus or minus because I really don't want to say the exact number. Let me let me let me say this. I will say how much it costs for us to shoot that scene, but I will say that that the NAD did not put in all of that money. The NAD gave some money towards it. And I had just finished up some other commercials and my company um, pulled other resources for that. You stole drugs. So <laughs> um, not sold them, stole them from media. Um, the, okay. Do you want there me we to go. Yes. Then, you, then I mean, yes, that with that, I didn't actually know that yeah. piece. So yeah, then I'm cool with it. I just, my thing is because this is a sensitive area, like, I don't want to throw no, not, people okay. who actually no, no, believe not, in this I'm project. I'm not saying how much yeah. they spent on it. They contributed yeah. towards it. Um, but we, we pulled in resources from a number of other areas, probably more money from other areas than was contributed. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, so how much did this, so, and how long was the scene that you actually shot? So we, we ended up getting, um, probably about three and a half minutes worth of stuff out of it. Um, it, it was a one day shoot, which we were, we was all non-union. Um, we had very discounted rates for people. Uh, oh yeah. So that those, those trucks that I was talking about. So because it would have cost us that much to do it, what we did was we hopped on Craigslist. We found the vehicles that looked like it in the area that were for sale, reached out to those people, offered them some money to come to set that day. Then we custom printed the logo for the U.S. Border Patrol onto a magnet, stuck that on the side, and then for the lines, we used painter's tape, and you cannot tell. When you watch it, you cannot tell. It looks like a legit Border Patrol truck, but that's how we got around it with the budget that we had. And now Kevin's fridge is a part of the border patrol <laughs> because really one is. of the, one of the we decals, <laughs> yeah, one of the decals is on his fridge and it's glorious. And I have yeah. border patrol agent yes. uh, shirts hanging in my, in my closet. So three and a half <laughs> minutes, how much we did one. It was a one day shoot. It cost probably about $11,000 to pull that off. All right. So, and that $11,000, if it, if it does get picked up by a distributor, that money turn could potentially, you know, Film gets made, um, goes wherever it goes. That can bring in potentially, you know, 
Oh, I mean, it, that could easily that could easily turn into. Uh, I mean, and again, this is a tiny budget. Most most movies that you watch, they're going to be like thirty million dollars. Some of them are like ten million. Mm-hmm. Um, really low budget stuff is like seven million. But you're in the millions. Yeah, we. I mean, this even on a. It's very on a low rare end, that you get movies. That's the last movie I can think of that had under a million. I want to say that. Didn't Paranormal Activity have like seven hundred thousand, or was or probably or was, yeah something? That's that's another one like, of those prime example movies of like they they did the it for exception. no money and it just took off. Yeah. yeah, um, and that's what all of like the industry wants to do. But um, we could easily. I, I don't think that it would be out of the question for us to get two hundred thousand, maybe a quarter mil, to be able to to shoot this. Um, you know, doing doing two two maybe well two or three weeks worth of production with stuff, and then. Um, and then post and then, yeah. And then it gets out there f- for either it's on a streaming platform or something else, but we're going to, by, by pitching it and using this as kind of a launch, um, to make something bigger with it, we're going to be able to hit a much larger audience than we would if we had just kept it to ourselves. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the, I think that that's the bigger picture that, that we need to look at here is how are we collaborating with others other other industries like let's just recognize that we don't have the distribution network to be able to get our message out to people as well as netflix does Mm -hmm. as well as amazon does next time that and and if you don't believe me the next time that you're at a youth rally ask people to by by show of hands once how many people here have watched a full episode of anything on one of our Avenist or you know, like our Avenist, our Avenist platforms, and by then, independent choice, not by parents watching it on Sabbath, or both, or just <laughs> ask them, just ask them to raise their hand, and then ask them how many people watch Netflix, and you'll see a dramatic difference. Mm-hmm. Like recognize the fact that there are other people who have distribution tools and resources better than we do. Um, so rather than trying to reinvent the wheel, let's work together on things. Yeah. I think that, I think that there is validity to finding ways to communicate with, um, our own people. But if we're trying to get the message outside of there, let's work with the, the avenues that exist. And that was something, you know, when mm. the Kenrick brothers started doing all their films, they started with like no money and they put that into it. And that's why some of the early ones are like not fantastic quality. Because they didn't, they didn't have the money. They didn't have the money to hire professional actors. They didn't have the money to to get all the great equipment, whatever else. But they put it out there, and those returns, because they would actually sell tickets, those returns would come back in, and and it's the return on their investment, the actual dollar sign financial return on their investment, that allowed them to then do bigger stuff and more mm-hmm. quality stuff, and at the same time. That was also growing um, the, the impact. So it wasn't just a financial return. It was also a missional return that was actually impacting people. It was starting conversation. It was, mm-hmm. it was converting people. You want to talk about how many baptisms can come out of that kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, it, it, and that's, that's my thing is like there's, there's potential here. And I think we need to stop thinking in terms that protect the current institution and start talking in terms of how can we actually grow this institution? How can we collaborate? Yeah. Let's, let's start looking at partnerships. Let's start looking at collaboration. Um, and, 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 and learn to work together because we're going to be forming relationships. So, um, I, I had lunch with, uh, a, a development executive who he worked for, um, a company that was out in South Korea and they were, 
really dominating that market, but they weren't in the United States. Um, and then they invested in this little no-name company called DreamWorks SKG. And that little no-name company took off to be really huge. Um, and this guy, uh, he was he was working with them. They, they ended up selling DreamWorks to, I think it was Paramount, but they still held the largest percentage of shares. And, um, and as a result, when they did that, now they had this relationship with this Western company mm. and they said, wait a second, how, what would you think about getting some of our Asian films into your American audience? And they said, we'd be cool with that. And they said, what, how would you feel about some of our American films getting into your Asian audience? And they said, we'd be cool with that. And all of a sudden there was this partnership that was formed mm-hmm. and there was these new relationships and they were both able to grow together and they were able to get their content out to more people. So, you know, I think that that's one of the areas that that we're lacking in and that we could really work together more because the only partnerships that we do, sponsorships with things, are we look at other, we basically look at stuff that's still in-house or, um, or it's, I mean, it's like Adventist-run healthcare systems. Mm. Wow. So, okay, cool. I want to start the partnership. What do I do? <laughs> Like I'm in the admin system. I'm an administrator, whatever. Like I want to start this partnership. Like, cause I agree with yeah. you. I think there's in the same way that we ask and expect a local church to partner with its local community. I think this is the way that the higher or the, 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 the bigger or broader uh, levels of the church now partner with communities on their scale. Right? Like that's, that's the idea here is it's, it's, is the idea is hopefully a horizontal relationship at whatever scale you're at. But honestly, mm-hmm. like, I mean, you as a conference or as a local church could even make this partnership. I would imagine. Oh yeah, absolutely. So yeah. So what? Like, how? What is that? What? How did? How did? How do you do that? Because that's the other. They're like, okay, great, but I don't know who I call. Well, always keep in mind two things. Whenever you're working together, it's what can I offer you that you need that only I can provide, and at the same time, what can you Stability. offer me? Yeah. <laughs> what can you? <laughs> And yeah, and Vegemite. Um, he said crying. So, uh, but but asking, you know, what is it? What is it that you need that I can help you with, and and vice versa. And when you can answer that question with each other, then you have a relationship. You have that partnership. So even if it's a, if it's something simple as, hey, we're we're gonna do, um, you know, a small health fair or a clinic or something over the weekend. Um, if you're putting that out and doing something for the community, and you're attracting people from the community there's going to be companies that want to um, they're going to want their name out there. They want to be recognized as, Hey, we contribute, we support to. And also there's a lot of companies that they have to spend so much money on nonprofits for tax purposes. So if you're doing something um, there's places that will support you with that. Mm. And, and you would be surprised some of the uh, Adventist run organizations uh that that take money from places that we don't always agree with um mm. from a uh really well from a theological perspective but those companies are so wanting to help out with things that sometimes they they will even help out saying you can leave our name completely off of this but we do want to help you mm. so so reach out it starts by it starts by going out to the community and and talking about that one of the best people that I have seen do that is um, there's an individual that I worked with, well, kind of worked under um, when I was at Kettering Health Network, Jared McNaughton. He was the vice president of marketing and missions when I was there. And 
he, it seemed like he was never in his office. <laughs> and I'm like, wait a second. <laughs> How is he good at his job if he's yeah. like never in the office? Because I swear he, he must've just had lists of every church and group and organization and, and company and whatever else in the Dayton area. And he was out having lunch with these people and, and hanging out with these people and going to this, uh, this rotor, you know, rotary club event here. And he was networking and forming relationships with the community and growing things together. And eventually not, not too long after, um, Kettering surpassed the competitor. They, past that like 51% mark of serving the demographic and were the largest in that region. Wow. And, and now he is the, I think he's the CEO of the largest, like, I don't remember if it's Medicare or Medicaid. I always get them confused provider oh. in the United States. Dang. So when, when people talk to me about, Oh, you know, how should we, I'm like, I, I go straight to him as an example. I say, if you want to grow, you need to get out. You need to spend your time out there meeting people, forming relationships, making partnerships, just being, being a human being, being a friend. Being as the mug that you're using says, an Adventist human. Exactly, being an an Adventist human. Thank you, Caleb. And, uh, you know, just get out there, form those relationships because pretty soon people are going to want to work with you. They may not even know what you do or how you can help them. They just want to work with you. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, people joke about like, oh, your crew (laughs) <laughs> like yeah. your crew is there because you like hanging well, out with them. And and the irony here is too, like this is the one area where we're like, you know, in every other area we're like, pray for that God would send you the right people. But in this, we're like, I don't know who to call. I, so I guess we just give up. Pray <laughs> for God to send you the right people. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and keep your eyes open and put yourself in positions where that can be the case. Um, I think those are those are two very honestly very practical things. They don't seem like they are at face value, but they are because we already believe them in other areas of our lives. Why not believe them in this area of our life? Yeah. Um, so yes, I co-sign all of that one hundred percent because I think I think this is really important, and I think that just starting to shift the mindset with which we approach creative projects and the way that we invest our money. Um, is is a huge step in the right direction. Well, and let's talk real quick to the create to the creators as well, because you know we've kind of talked earlier to okay if you if you have a budget and you're wanting to invest yeah. in creators, what does that look like? And and I wanted to say this earlier: do a pitch competition. If you can, if you can, you know, put the put the word out there, put a pitch competition together to say, you know, hey, do you have creative ideas for ministry, but you are lacking either the support, whether that's financially or otherwise. Um, Hey, you know what? We're going to, we've got some resources together and some of those can, can even be like in kind kind of donations. Mm -hmm. Like we're going to connect you with someone who can show you how to, how to form, uh, an LLC or a nonprofit, or we can connect you with, uh, someone who does taxes that can help make sure that you're going to be able to do this in a way that's not going to financially kill you. Um, you know, so put together whatever those kind of prizes are. Um, and, and invest in them, but put together a pitch competition. Mm -hmm. Don't, don't accept the first proposal that comes your way. Look at, look at several things and ask the questions. Is this viable? How many people are you looking to reach with it? They, they may have a great idea together of like, for example, um, you know, Hey, I, I play video games and, um, you know, I'm in these, I'm in these, uh, Facebook groups online and everyone is talking about depression. 
Mm. And they're asking where to go. And I don't know, I don't know, like, uh, even what to, what to do, but I, I think that we could, we could put something together where maybe we had, you know, a prayer line that people could call into and, and talk things out with someone who, who actually cares about them. But, you know, we need someone to man those lines um, or even we want to do a text message service, but it costs money to do that text message service that sends them encouraging messages every day. Um, and I, th- and I already know for a fact that we could reach, you know, half of that group and there's 10,000 people that are in that group. And there's 5,000 people that are getting Bible verses sent to them every single day. Mm. And I even put a poll out there and we got a bunch of people that were like, yeah, I would totally sign up for that. <laughs> you know, I mean like things like that, but, and all they're lacking is the resources and they can show you up front and say, look, here's, here's specific numbers that I'm, that I think we can do with this. I think that this can convert to this many people. Um, you know, I really just need some funding to be able to, to put together the the ads for it, to let people know it exists and to be able to have that service. Heck, I'll run it for free. Yeah. Um, but I do, but it does cost for me to be able to get a service that'll send out the text message. And that's just a, that's just something I just thought of off the top of my head. So I'm sure that there are people that have specific projects together that they want to do. So put it, put together a pitch competition and, and throw it out there and, and bring in, bring in members from your community, bring in business leaders, bring in marketing specialists, bring in um, entrepreneurs, bring in, you know, bring in these people that are now collaborating with you to sit on that panel and say, yeah, that's a good idea or that's not. They know what your mission is. And and now you can do things from a much more effective perspective. Um, and, and if you are a creator, uh, put those plans together, put those plans together. And if, if they aren't doing a pitch competition, well, Hey, guess what? There's then there's no competition for you, but go, go to your administrator and go to, well, Ryan, you can answer this. Where, where would they start? Yeah. I think they start with their local pastor. Yeah. I think you do start with your local pastor. I think, um, I think you go to your local pastor, your church and you say, this is what I'm wanting to do. Um, and this is, and this is, uh, this is my idea. This is what I need from you. Because the, the one thing that churches have a struggle with is they, if the needs are ambiguous, they can't promise you anything. They can't give you anything. And so you need to know what you're asking for. Yeah. Be specific in your ask and have examples ready. So if you've seen something that was done a certain way, like there's a video that you can show them and say, this is what we're trying to do, but we're adapting it for, for our audience mm-hmm. or we're doing like a, a, an Adventist version of this so that they can get the idea of, oh, okay, okay, I see how this is going. Ideally, have a few examples ready of some things that you yeah. put together with no budget um, to show them, you know, so that they can see, oh, okay, I see. If you just had different, you know, if you had money, you that that would have looked a lot nicer. Wow, that would have sounded better because you could actually rent a real microphone or you know, yes, something exactly. like that. So have your examples ready. Know exactly how much you're asking for and price that stuff out ahead of time too mm-hmm. so that you can show specifics and then show what it's going to look like. And I would say keep a paper trail. Um, you know, try yeah, if you have it? text messages, emails, anything like that. And the reason is if if the local church says no, the next level up is the conference. And from there, union, division, whatever. Um, and as you escalate in those steps, you're not escalating to get someone in trouble, but their first, usually the first statement that gets sent back to you is, um, well, you should talk to your local pastor about this mm-hmm. or whatever. That's so what you say. Well, so you I show, did. I, I did. And they, I did. This is, this was where we you. went. Like you yeah. need to do your due diligence on this because the bottom line is, uh, the way that church administrators work, the way that church pastors work is they want to know that they can trust you to do what you're, what you're going to do. Mm-hmm. And if you've shown that you haven't actually done the work, 
even at the most basic level and be willing to go through the steps that the system traditionally asks you to go through, then they know that they shouldn't trust you because you could go maverick on them at any point. Endorsements, have endorsements from people that, from people that matter. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and any other church, like you could, here's the thing. We're in the 21st century. You can send your, you can send your idea of your project to literally anyone you could and, and potentially get a return, you know, get feedback from it. I mean, you and I created an organization from nothing (laughs) in seven months and ended up within a year of creating it. And within 13 months of actually I, like having the idea, the concept, yeah. we're sitting at North American Division year-end meetings as official press, and we were invited to do that. And fully funded for the first year. And fully funded for the first year. Um, without, without any loans. So there's, there's not yeah. debt with that. I mean, I um, am alone, yeah. but there's no, we didn't take out a loan. Yeah, no loans there. Um, and completely independent, too. Also. Yes. So, um, that's, and, and that's why, that's why we say this, like it, it takes being willing to work with the system. I mean, literally someone from the division reached out to me and was like, I have some questions. And I was like, call me. And we talked for an hour and I answered every question because I knew my stuff. Like Kevin watched this conversation play <laughs> out because we were trying to film a video for the Kickstarter. Yeah. Uh, and that got delayed because of this conversation that ended in the invite to go to year end meetings as press. And that like, that's significant. And this is the other thing. When someone does give you a chance, please, like we do a ton of complaining. Let's also affirm. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you well, affirm Tony Anobili and Julio Munoz as, as people who believed in this project for, with mm-hmm. Dreamer and, and, um, and who are excited at what's come of it too. And Dan Weber is at the, at the division is someone who also believes who currently still believes in us and is someone who has taken a chance on us and, and given us opportunity. And so I think that is as much the institution as everything we complain about is. And the members and the members as well. You know, I, I, I really want to be affirming of, of like the people, well, I mean, there, there, there were people that contributed to the scratch from all over, but I also went up to my home church, which is Kettering Seventh-day Adventist church. And I talked to uh, people out of Sabbath school there and I shared with them what I was doing. And, and right after that, we saw donations coming in, not just, not just in the two figures or the three figures, but in the four figures for things. So four people donated. No, I know. (laughs) No, really people, some people, but honestly, really donated a lot for something that isn't even not profit. profit. Yeah. Like they're not getting any tax incentive for donating to this. So, so you know, they're, they're, you have, you have, I mean, the church, the church is people. Church is made up of people and, and it's not just an institution. The institution wouldn't be here if it weren't for the people. So, so look around at the people that are around you yeah. and, and, and look to them for support. Well, and I could easily see a world where the church does a matching thing and a creative goes, Hey, look, if you know, I'm willing to do a Kickstarter for this project, this is what I have. Would you be willing to match a Kickstarter if I if I was able to raise from lay members, you know, from mm-hmm. from other sources this much money? Would you be willing to match that? Adventists love matching. Yeah. I don't know why, but we yeah. love matching funds. Well, I think partly because it it uh, it's, it's a cosign. Yeah, it's a, it's it essentially shows, a cosign. Yeah, it shows a, a certain amount of legitimacy of of okay, we're gonna yeah. we're gonna take other people are taking this seriously. So I'll take it seriously too. Yeah. And I'll tell you even, I mean, it's not just a church thing. It's in the industry. Like we have, 
So we always have this challenge between you've got the the distributors who are the financiers and the talent. And the financiers want to know what famous person is working on this that will then make sure that this movie sells so they get yeah. a return on their investment. And on the flip side, the famous talent goes, well, we want to know that it's financed before we say that they're interested. Yes. So you have this like back and forth of like, well, who's on it? Well, is it financed? Well, is it, you know, and, and so, yeah, it's, it's kind of the same thing. You want to see validity there that people are on board and they're supporting it. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. And that's why, yeah, before like, don't just come up with a half-baked idea and go to your pastor and say, you know, give me a thousand dollars for this. And they're like, no, like that's, that's not well thought out. Um, yeah. And then go and complain on social media and be like, they're not supportive and blah, blah, blah. Ask, I mean, ask yourself if someone came to you with a bad idea, what would you do? So maybe, you know, take the time to, to, to refine that. I'd refer them to a subcommittee. Yeah. <laughs> And a sub subcommittee, and then yeah. a subcommittee for the yeah, subcommittee. For the, yes, yeah, exactly. The, the, we'll put you on the nominating committee for the nominating committee. The, the, that's the that's called the uh, organization, yeah. uh, the organizing committee. Yes, there you go. And you can be the power leg. And if you sign up more people, then that's oh wait, no, right. now we're a multi level marketing <laughs> company. Oh no. Um, and so anyway, but, but yeah. no, the, the church is an upside down pyramid. I mean, ah, triangle, yeah. <laughs> triangle. We're an upside down right. triangle. There you go. Is the food pyramid? Is the food pyramid pyramid a multi level marketing it, scheme? scheme? Is everything I know a lie? Everything. Everything is a multi-level marketing <laughs> scheme. Uh, <laughs> um, I, yeah, I, I think that there's a little bit of self-reflection and honesty. And here's my thought. Like, and I think this is the biggest thing I would say to creators. Um, and this, I think this is how I'm going to rap. Because um, not like yeah. literally rhyme, but rap the episode. Because, um, I mean, obviously I'm going to give Kevin a chance for final thoughts here. But I, I think the biggest thing that I wish creators could do or would do people who are aspiring to be uh, creatives and, and like make it sustainable is we need to separate ourselves emotionally as much as possible from the word no. And from the rejection, mm -hmm. you will, there's always a part of you that will hurt because you've poured your soul into a project. You thought you had something great and someone said no. And it like, yes, is an affirmation. And it said like, yes, you had this great idea. And I believe in this idea. Um, the problem is that like creatives don't have the right to determine and, and control how they will be received or how their project will be received. I should say, um, but they have every right to create and put out there. Mm -hmm. As a podcaster, you could hate this episode. You probably do. I've had I've been interrupted by my dog like 30 <laughs> times in the last hour. If you've been watching this on Patreon, you've seen me looking down a million times and like giving my and, dog looks like, please don't, don't bark. Because she stepped on the computer, you might see him no, looking no, it's down working. for a long time. She actually time. just okay. paused the feed, but oh. <laughs> it was still recording. Um, th like, this is the... If you... There are people that don't like this podcast. That's okay. I'm not bothered by that. At first I was, there are going to be people that don't like the idea that you have and there will always or they be don't or that don't like you. Yep. Exactly. That, I haven't encountered that yet, but maybe one day, uh, just kidding. There's a lot of people that don't like me. Well, there, I mean, I mean this week, somebody, somebody just, just went off about me on, on online, online on a very public forum. And yeah. And it was someone that you didn't know had that opinion of you uh, either. Yeah. And it's, like and to it's some extent. It's complicated, but yeah. Um, yeah, it was pretty, yeah, it came off, it came off pretty strong. Um, so people can surprise you. And I think, yes, there'll always be a little bit 
that hurts, and that's okay. But we can't let the fear of rejection stop us from creating because, look, look, no one was called, no one was called to be received well. They were called to do something. Mm-hmm. And if you're a creator, if you were, you know, if you were a creative, you were called to create, not to be received well. That's not your calling. Your calling is to create. Yeah. Is, and let that creation do something. And, and so that is, like, I think that's the biggest thing for me because if, if you can, man, the opportunities that will come your way um, simply because you didn't give up at the first sign of rejection. Literally, I watched Kevin turn around a major idea or a major pitch because he didn't give up at the first no. And I can't, I literally can't say any more details than that. But like I watched, I literally in front of my eyes watched that happen. And I watched him jump around the room. It was amazing uh, when he got the, when, when that conversation changed. But it was the idea of like, you got to believe in your project and your ability and your calling. And you got to stand firm in that calling. And you can't take the no personally. Because it, yeah, if you can mm-hmm. get over that, man, the sky is the limit on that. And even then, not really. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that would be like my last kind of big thing here. My final thoughts is, yeah, get over no. Get over rejection. Yeah. it's uh, You look at the success stories and... And then you look at how many failures led up to that success um, when, and, and I think the biggest thing is, is ownership of things, make it your own, mm-hmm. own it. Um, when, when I was heading up the writer's room for, for studio 4109, you know, I, I told the writers, I said, look, you guys are here because you were the best out of everybody who submitted, but that doesn't mean that the first draft that you write is going to be gold. So we're going to stay in here. We're going to be open and honest with each other. We're going to critique each other. And sometimes we were pretty brutal. And mm. but, but we're doing it because we're going to, we want at the end of the day for you to have something that you're proud to have your name on. Yep. And instead of when people went, oh, who wrote that? They're like, I don't know, man. Uh, I want you to be upset if they forget to put your name on it. Like, whoa, hey, where was my credit? Because um, everybody loved that and that was awesome because... I I worked at it and I owned it. And I think a lot of times we're used to just having things handed to us and we see things as a role or a task. It's not our own. Um, And I was, uh, for example, I was talking to someone who runs a a trucking company and she was saying, yeah, you know, one of our biggest problems is we have our truckers are not, um, they're not taking care of the vehicles. Like we, we have an arrangement with, um, with someone who will fix the problems with their truck if they bring it to them, but instead they want to do what's convenient and they go somewhere else and it's way more expensive or they just don't take care of it and it gets trashed and we end up having to pay a lot for that. And so I asked her, I said, well, how are you creating a sense of ownership? Well, first I said, who owns the truck? Do you or do they? And she's like, oh, we do. And I was like, ah, I said, well, what are you doing to create a sense of ownership? And she said, Ooh, ah, I don't know. And I said, do you have, um, do you ever have meetings where like everybody gets together? She said, yeah, yeah, we do. I said, okay, what if you did a competition where whoever had like the prettiest, nicest interior won a certain prize and you showed it off? She was like, oh, well, that's not, that's a really good idea. <laughs> I was like, yeah, when you start creating a sense of ownership of things and people own it as their own, they treat it differently. They put work into it differently. And and you're gonna and your product is gonna be different. Um so with final thoughts on things, um, you know, I believe that 
that when when God created us in his image, I don't I don't necessarily think that that was necessarily a f- like a physical thing. Mm. That when you I mean when you look at how many different eye colors are out there, skin colors, hair, uh just the physical features of people. Uh cuz I've worked in casting. I've seen a lot of people. Um and a lot of people look everybody looks so different from each other. Um and I don't know that it was necessarily like a physical thing. I think it was the unique ability to create. Mm. And so the best way that we can worship God is, is by reflecting him, by being creative. He is the creator of everything. So if we, I mean, if, if we're made in his image, then, then we too are creators. So, you know, I, th- I think, I think that that's, if if you have any kind of creative inkling and you look around you and you see the space around you and you go, wait a second, um, I don't feel called to necessarily work in, in either, um, church or, or Adventist education or healthcare. And those are the only things I see around me. Um, but I want to do something creative. It's, it's out there and God can find a way to use you with that. So Awesome. Go create. Kevin, thank you uh, for coming on. Um, thank you for going to CoLab, for being you know, my partner in crime on so much of the stuff that we've been doing over the last year. Um, I'm excited to see what the future holds for both of us as we work together. Um, and yeah, uh, just thank you for sharing a bit of your journey and, and your heart. Um, for listeners, uh, please go check out patreon.com slash absurditypodcast if you want to see all the goofy stuff that happened in the middle of this recording. Because for some reason, for the first video recording ever, we had more interruptions than I've ever had in my entire life. Um, and I want to throw out a bonus. I want to throw out a bonus here. Okay. Uh, do you want to show the, the yeah, teaser? Yeah, no, absolutely. I just all right, wasn't going right. to say it. I was going to so, give you a chance. Uh, we're going to, I'm going to, I'm going to send him the file and you can watch the teaser that we put together that I pitched to a distributor um, that started as that, that documentary um, project that we really turned into something a lot mm. bigger. Um, so Sweet. you can kind of get an idea of of what we're doing with things. Well, thank you for that. Um, yeah. So yeah, patrons will be able to get a kind of a, uh, an early look at that. Um, and there's no guarantee this project, like this is so early in, in development, like there's no, this project could fall flat. It could. This project could it. go could go nowhere. Yeah. And what we've done so far over the last like two years is that's where it ends. But mm-hmm. but that's that's part of the creative process. That's, yeah, it's that's risk. The, yeah. Um, so yeah, you can go check that out. But thank you guys so much for listening. We'll see you next week. Today's episode of Absurdity is sponsored by The Haystack. The Haystack is a voice for young adults in the Seventh-day Adventist Church that produces articles, music reviews, videos, and more. To check them out, go to www.thehaystack.org. The Haystack. Life. Culture. Theology.